Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the man that has eaten a Happy Meal in under 90 seconds, Dave Burles Berlin. Wait, what? Thank you, Doc. Yep. Man, you know what? I need to try that again. Yeah. I think I could beat it. I think so. Knowing, I, the, you know, the knowledge that I have now. I went back and analyzed your footage, actually. You know, I went back and mm-hmm. checked it out mm-hmm. on Instagram, and I was thinking one thing that really slowed you down was the grabbing of the French fries. That's a fact. It lo- yeah. really looked yeah. like you were you were scrambling, and then at one point, you, 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 were, you got the idea. You're like, all right, flip the bag over. And I was like, there you go. And I think if you would have mm-hmm. gone with that to start, you really could have uh, improved the time. I think so. Man, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to do that again. When the has it been a year anniversary yet? I feel. Oh like yeah, it's over. It probably it's ha- over. has been. It's uh, it's been. Dang. Let's see. Uh, I missed uh, that opportunity. Fifteen month anniversary. Fifteen. Oh geez. dang. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, I'll just do an anniversary just because and, and do a re- redo of it. Yeah, I need to get the broccoli, you know? I need to get the broccoli and do it again. <laughs> I, I know you're you're dreading to do that broccoli again. I mean, I think sort of like yourself, I learned a lot of things from eating. Folks, That's listeners right. that are new to the show, if you don't know what we're talking about, when we had Matt Stoney on the show, I did a broccoli challenge where I ate over a pound of broccoli as fast as I could, and Dave ate a Happy Meal as fast as he could. That's right. Um, I tried to be healthy. That's why I chose the broccoli challenge. But yeah, man, much more enjoyable on my side. Man, <laughs> was my jaw sore after What'd eating. You, it was you, to like thirty-eight minutes or something. Twenty-three. Five minutes. Twenty-three. Not twenty-three. Not. Okay. I mean, you know, Jordan's number pretty solid. Let's be honest. That's yeah, what makes that, it good. Yeah. But, um. <laughs> You know, Matt Stoney finished the challenge in six minutes. So, Jeez. a little bit faster. Just a, a little bit faster. But, you know, I think I can finish it a lot faster. There were some things that uh, I didn't definitely. really think about. And if I use more water, you can really break down the cellulose a little bit faster. Ma'am, I'll tell you what, that Coke really helped me in my challenge. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you're allowed to use the water in the broccoli challenge, so I just need to really, because that will soften it up. That's the biggest problem is getting make through it, those. Make it chew easier. Yeah, get, for sure. get through those you big stalks. It's tough, man. Yeah. It's tough. I didn't, I, I didn't use it until really late in like 16 minutes in. I started using using water, and I was like, "Come on!" By that point, your muscle, your jaw yeah. muscles were just so fatigued. Oh yeah, and let me tell you, on the way out, not that pretty. Ew. Anyways, uh, oh, <laughs> three minutes into the show, uh, the <laughs> joke. There, there, there was something else though that I wanted to start the show off with. It's it's been irritating me a little bit recently. Dave, um, and and I know the people, our Florida listeners, they're well aware. They're well aware of this problem because it's nonstop in Florida. Evening, weekends, weekdays, holidays, all hours, mm-hmm. lawn maintenance. Say why? 
Oh, I'm a big advocate for this. Continue. Lawn maintenance. Yes! Like, and now don't get me wrong, folks, because I know as soon as I start saying I, I don't want lawn maintenance around me, people are going to be, oh, what are you going to do about your yard? I get it. I get it. But the thing is, there's so much that goes with this. There are weed eaters and trimmers and edgers and mowers mm -hmm. and blowers. Mm -hmm. Jeez. And like, Dave, have you ever had that roommate that was just like super anal and would come up to you at all times and be like, <laughs> and, and like clean just nonstop? Come, you would clean and then they come behind you and clean yeah. what you clean. Yeah. Yes. By the way, I guarantee there's not a single one of my old roommates that's saying that's Ben. Nope. That's that guy. <laughs> I guarantee. I know that for a fact. But. That's lawn maintenance. Lawn maintenance is that guy that was so clean happy in your apartment. Except he's getting paid to be that guy. That's what they do. So true. But it never fails. Like, you have a day where you get to sleep in. You're excited about mm -hmm. it. You're thinking like, man, I'm going past 8 a.m. today. What? I may even go to 9.15. Let's get crazy. Jeez. Let's get crazy, you know? Wow. And then without fail, mm -hmm. 7.30 in the morning... Outside your window, mowers and blowers. Just dude, just having an dude. engine revving competition. Uh, and you're like, really? Really? It's the worst. It's just... Literally the worst. It's just... So the house that we bought is on a uh, corner lot. Uh-huh. But the, the neighborhood owns, like, the actual... Like, there's a there's a part that goes extended past my lot mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, it, and it's kind of like a open area. Yeah. I don't know. There's, like, a fire hydrant there so that's why mm -hmm. but anyways so you know normal you know lawn maintenance etiquette i feel like is like 8 30 ish yeah yeah i say anytime after eight i can't really complain i mean right. i can be but, annoyed but still so true yeah so they're there like whenever they come whether it's like you know twice a week or or not twice a week, twice a month, or whatever it is that the the neighborhood has them to come. Mm -hmm. They are always there, seven thirty, mm. always. Mm. That's always. That's that's like the HOA requirements and most things like that are seven thirty. That's when they're allowed to to start. And mm. and I mean, it just for me, like it's just, I mean, like I get it, I get it. Grass grows pretty fast. I understand. Yes! But like, it's just, I mean, like, even if I have a a, 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 a pre-recorded interview for the show, it never fails. Mm -hmm. Ten minutes before I start the interview, a whole chorus mm -hmm. of lawn maintenance will be outside the window of the studio. Just, <gasps> I'm just like, and then I have to sit there the whole interview with my finger on the mute button of my mixing board like, okay, I'm getting ready to talk. Up, 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 up. Turn it off. Turn uh -huh. it off. And every single time I come back in, it sounds like I'm conducting the interview in an airplane engine sh service shop. Word. And people are like, what mm. is going on over there? It's unnecessary. And the thing so is... If, so if you have an early time you don't like, is there a time you want them to stop doing it by? <laughs> Not really. Like, I mean, they okay. if there were lights on it, I'd be fine with them going into, like, 10 o'clock at night. I don't care. Okay. But, like... Okay. But, like, I mean, it just never... Fa it's so much. And this is the thing is, like, 
the grass I get, but then like the blowing of the sidewalks and the streets. Slam. Like they spend mm -hmm. hours on that crap. And after an hour <laughs> after they finish, it's already back it in the streets. Again. And you're just like, <laughs> right. what, what was that for? Slam. Come on. I mean, if you have to put that much effort into keeping it look good, keeping it looking good, I think that's mm -hmm. nature's way of saying you just shouldn't do it. That's a fact. Like, well, that's why my buddy he tries to plant as much stuff as possible, yeah, so that he doesn't have to do any yard work. Exactly. Like, I mean, I got that message about my facial hair from nature. I mean, <laughs> I shaved it several it times, grow. and then I was like, you know what? Why don't I just not shave so it? So true. And it's worked. Yeah, I mean, think of or the- cut your hair. Think the most persistent person you've ever met in your life. That person that just won't quit until they get the job done. Find that mm -hmm. person, they're still not as persistent as grass. Nope. They will give nope. up before nope, the nope, grass nope. does. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just true. Like, and here's the even bigger problem, Dave. Scientists have done several studies on this. Yards of grass produce less oxygen than their maintenance creates CO2. That's a fact. So you're really? polluting the planet with lawn maintenance. Except for the people that are using all manual yard tools. And let's be honest, for those individuals, hello to all the Amish people listening. Yes! I was going to say that or I, I use electric, electric, all electric based. Well, that's good. That's good. But still, like, I mean, you're still getting it from the, the power source. You'd have to go solar if you're, you know, you're getting solar power uh, in there. But it, uh, yeah, yeah. Huh? Don't worry. I get it. I know there's already people up in arms listening that are like, whoa, whoa. First of all, let me say, I'm not blaming the dudes that are doing the work. The lawn maintenance dudes around my house, some of the nicest dudes out there. Like every single one of them. They're awesome. But I think we need to get a lawn conversion service. Just like you were talking about with your friend, we've got to turn yards into a maintenance-free yard. Hmm. Man, that would be so great for my weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to start a company, and it's going to be the Doc G Sustainable Yard Project. Sweet. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. You want to know? Write that down, folks. You want to know our catchphrase, Dave? Hmm. No need to trim it. Huh? Uh, just look at my face. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good on the fly. Good on the fly. My catchphrase is, we don't blow, we don't mow, but sustainable like you don't even know. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I like the rhyme. That's right. Nice. Rip rap rhyme. That's what we do. Dave, while we're waiting for the Doc G Sustainable Yard Project to start up, do you want to fire this show up? Let's fire it up. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Oh my goodness. Our show today, it's going to be outrageously good. Straight fire. It's going to be, yeah, straight fire. Slappable. Certified slappable, as we all know. So true. I am very excited, Dave. We have got a fantastic songwriter, Chris Tapp, from the Cold Stairs. He's going to be on the show. This guy's got some stories. Very nice. This dude, this dude's into, into dodges. He's into working on dodges. Wait, what? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I've seen some Mopar parts on his Instagram. Putting putting in those Mopar parts. I'm going to ask him about those Mopar parts. They love their Mopars. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. We're going to also hear some great tunes from him. I can't wait for it. But first, we need to start where we start, Dave. That would be birthday soon. Hmm. Okay. Let's do it. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Okay. Uh, this one, th- this happens very, very rarely. I had one of these uh, last show with Jake, but 100%. 100%. Oh. I don't think there's any way that I could what conceivably think huh? your... No, no, no. He he did get 100%, but I'm saying I'm putting this birthday suit for you at 100%. At, a, at 100%. Yes. Okay. I don't think there's any way that you can get this way one Way that wrong. I could miss it. No, no, no. You got <laughs> it's it. It's like Michael Jordan, LeBron. You got it. You got it. Okay. So, you are. it is basketball. Um, born on August 26, 1989 in Los Angeles, California. Our birthday suit wear loved basketball from a young age. His senior year in high school... He took his team to the California State title and won. They had a record of 33-2. and two. Jeez. He averaged 18.8 points, 7.9 rebounds, and 3.9 assists per game. He decided to go to Arizona State. He played two years at Arizona State and was named Pac-10 Player of the Year his sophomore year, averaging 20. 20- what, what, year, what year was he born? 1989. James Harden. James Harden is correct. See, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you'd get it. There was no way you couldn't. I mean, yeah. obviously, you're a sports buff. You knew it after Arizona State. But he was drafted. I didn't realize he was drafted third overall by the Oklahoma City Thunder. I didn't know yeah, he went super that high. high. I forgot yeah. that, man. Um but in 2011-2012 season, he won the Sixth Man of the Year Award. In 2012, he was traded to the Houston Rockets. Since being traded to the Rockets, he has been an eight-time All-Star, a six-time All-NBA player, a three-time scoring leader, and MVP in 2018. James Harden. Yes. Man, it's just crazy to think about what could have been with Westbrook, Harden, and Durant all in their primes. Yeah. Like, insane yeah you know like that's the thing is like both of them though like i don't like to say it because i i don't know them personally and obviously i've never played basketball with them but i feel like james and and russ just don't play well together with others like nah, it, no, they they need to have the ball in their hands. It just too much. doesn't work well, and like KD can. I mean, he proved it with with Golden State. He can play fine. He can work right in, and yeah, every now right. and then he'll have thirty five points, and he'll defer other nights. But like Westbrook and 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 uh, Harden, no, nope, no. They need the offense to go through them. Yeah, yeah. and like... Still, still be interesting to see. Oh, it definitely would. It'd be crazy. You'd have like... It, 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 and that was the other thing that it showed, though, is James was a little bit... He deferred. Yes! He he deferred to, to Durant and uh, and uh, Westbrook, you know? he mm-hmm. He's that type mm-hmm. of guy. So I don't know if he ever would have been able to blossom... With those two guys there, you know? Like, they'd already established right. themselves. So you don't, like, who knows? He might have just been stuck in that six-man 
the for for good. Like you know, you just sort of wonder. But yeah. But then he went to the Rockets, and now you know people say he's grew as, the beard and came the man. People say he's as good as Jordan at scoring, and I say no. Wait, what? That's just me, though. <laughs> you know, whatever you want is your opinion. It's fine. Go for it, gang. Go for it. Happy birthday to James Harden. He is thirty. One. Happy birthday, James. 31. Probably the, be- beard the beard. best beard of all time in the NBA. History. What? I don't know about history. There's some pretty crazy good beards in there. Plus some pretty famous beards, like Blackbeard, the pirate. Like yeah, that's pretty. Blackbeard, the pirate. That's, okay. that's pretty wild. Like, I mean, but he's, he's, I mean, top 10 beards of all time. I mean, okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, they think. I mean, how many people been in the world on uh, forever? That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good to be. Think of all the time. men that have grown beards. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, I wouldn't even make the top million list. You know? No, I, definitely not. I mean, oh. so. <laughs> Anyways, I got sidetracked. Thirty-one. Happy birthday, James Harden. Live it up. Good luck in the playoffs, man. Good luck in yes, the sir. playoffs. Bubble. Getting a little tough. Getting a little tough with OKC, man. OKC's not letting them, not letting them walk all over them. Nope. You know? Nope. Nope. No. Nope. It's impressive. Impressive. Okay. Okay, Javery, ready? Let's rip some headlines. Let's rip it, buddy. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Uh, Dave, in all your time living in Florida, have you ran into mm-hmm. an alligator snapping turtle? Hmm. Um. Yeah. Oh, man. Where did we see one? Well, so, you know, I my parents' house is like two blocks off of the river, mm-hmm. and there's a little park over there, mm-hmm. and we, uh, we would take the dogs and walk and stuff, and... Um, and they're kind of mean too. Oh yeah. So, like the storm had saw it, and I was like letting him go up to it because he's like he likes to like poke his head at turtles. But then I realized like that one was like scary looking, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh shoot, I don't think we should go see That's that. Funny. It had crazy and, uh, eyes and a crazy beak, and you were like, you know, right. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. yeah, we'll avoid that one today. Yeah, one time but I was... L- luckily, uh, we were all safe. I was on the UNF nature trails. Yeah, you know, oh. I love those things. They're awesome. And I yep. went by mm-hmm. a swampy area on the trail, and I looked over, mm-hmm. and it was a pretty cold day. Like, it was like, I mm-hmm. think it was like January or February, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, obviously, since it's a reptile, a little slow moving, there was one sitting yeah. on the side of the water just with his mouth open like, hey, turd, don't come over here. I will bite your leg off. And I was like, this you, is my mud puddle. You got it, bro. You got it. And I mean, it's like you said, like, they just got these crazy eyes. Yeah. They got that big old mouth. Mm-hmm. They're not pretty, you know? Nope. They, no, they're not a pretty creature. They look pretty intense, you know? Well, this they week... They look mad. They do. They do. <laughs> it's hard for them to change their angry eyes. Like, there's no real way they can. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, this week, wildlife officials on the New River... Uh, down near Tampa, caught mm-hmm. a male uh, alligator snapping turtle that weighed a hundred okay. pounds. D- yeah, that's a big snapping turtle. Yeah, the officials were very surprised because they said the New River is a blackwater stream that has low biological productivity. Mm. So you don't normally see big old monsters like that, you know. 
Yeah. Now, yeah. when they showed the one uh, that they caught, the officials were actually lifting this thing up, which was crazy impressive how big it was and the guy could lift it up that it weighed 100 pounds. Yeah, as I say, that guy's like deadlifting 100 pounds. Oh, man. And, yeah, that, that guy's big. Yeah, yeah. Now, the thing is, though, I started to wonder. I was like, how big can these guys get? So I looked it up. The biggest one they've officially recorded, 240 pounds. What? Wow. Yeah. Man, that is huge. 240 pounds. Can you imagine coming up to a 240-pound snapping turtle? Like that. He'd have taken up the whole trail. That thing could literally <laughs> bite your leg off easily. Like, easily. This 100-pound one could bite my leg off. Yeah. And they live over a hundred years too. They can live over a hundred years. Jeez! Just imagine that, wow. that that snapping turtle that they caught in the New River probably has been alive since like World War II. Like insane. <laughs> World War II. Insane. <laughs> he was sitting around in the in the swamp of Florida in 1945. Like, hey, did you hear? I think the war's gonna end. Just something that I heard <laughs> as a young turtle. Just me. Like, crazy, man. Crazy. Anyways, watch out, folks. Don't get by, uh, bit by snapping turtles. They, yeah, stay away. They have a tendency not to want to let go either when they bite. It's very difficult to get them to release their bite. So, watch out. Oh, man. Um, Dave, when it comes to organ donors, I think there's a pretty good split, you know? There's some people that are obviously really behind it. And there's people that just can't get over the idea of somebody sort of raiding your body for your organs after you die. It's I'm an organ donor. I am too. That's a fact. You know, but some people just can't can't get over that idea, which, you know, okay, whatever. Yeah, but teach their own. Regardless whatever. of where you fall on the question, I think both sides can agree that they shouldn't start getting your organs while you're still alive. So true. All right? Oh, <laughs> I agree on that one. Yep. So, you know... They didn't actually, they weren't mining for organs here, but they didn't really do a good job of determining whether somebody was dead or not. Word. So, the paramedics were called to an apartment in Southfield, Michigan, and the paramedics found a 20-year-old who was unresponsive and not breathing. The paramedics said they did CPR and other life-reviving techniques for 30 minutes. Man, that's so much CPR. Yeah. Dang. Yes. 30 minutes. And they said she had no signs of life. Now, the paramedics mm -hmm. then released this statement uh, when people when they were questioned by it. They said, because there was no indication of foul play, as per standing operating procedure, the Oakland County Medical Examiner's Office was contacted and given the medical data. The patient was again determined to have expired, and the body was released directly to the family to make arrangements with the funeral home of their choosing. However, mm -hmm. she was dropped off at the funeral home. The staff at the funeral home called the EMS back and said, uh, this lady's breathing and alive. What? So... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Huh? Huh? Now... They didn't release any other information for the privacy of the family, but I was just like, how alive was she? Like, did they walk into the room? Like how long was she alive <laughs> with all that CPR? Yeah, like, oh was God. she, like, did they walk into the room like, so there's another uh, cadaver. Holy crap, she's eating a Twix. 
Like, you know, like, hey, yes. What, she just needed a Snickers. What she got herself. <laughs> like, insane, man. Like, I just started thinking in my head of all, like, the, the situations of how these EMS people could have screwed it up. Like, if they were so bad at their job, they showed up at this lady's apartment, and they were like, Ma'am, are you okay? And she was like, Yeah, I'm fine. They were like, She's not responding! What? And they just knocked her onto the ground. She's like, I said I'm fine! They're like, CPR! And, like, knocked Rescue her. Rescue breath. Just like, or <laughs> or maybe they were, like, so bad at their job, they walked in, she's unresponsive on the ground, like, taking a nap, and they're like, Do you think she's dead? She's probably- I'm just glad you didn't say you took. They took her organs. No, and no. And then the the funeral home found her with, like breathing without an organ or <laughs> missing something. a liver. Oh, whoops, <laughs> whoops. Oh, she still needed that. This is bad. Somebody call him back. Is it already in the other person? Oh no. Um. Okay. I didn't know if we could get close to the weirdness of that last story, but this one, sort of close. Pretty close. Um. <laughs> So, I don't know if you remember, Dave, but we had a story, it was a pretty long time ago, I think it was actually mm-hmm. before the Matt Stoney episode, it was probably like a year and a half oh, ago damn. or so, we had a story about mm-hmm. a barber shop in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. where a dude mm-hmm. that wasn't a barber came in and cut somebody's hair and then threw a dude through the window... And then, oh man! And then nobody in the barber shop would talk about what they saw, and nobody knew yeah, why. I, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Well, so this this story is sort of like that because of the not talking. So okay. In this current story, there was a wedding going on in the suburb of Houston, and at the reception of the wedding, a dude walked in. And shot the new groom in the chest. Oh, God. Yeah. Jeez. And after he got shot, the shooter and the groom both ran out of the building. Hmm. The shooter just kept running, (laughs) and the groom only made it really to the other side of the street before paramedics caught up with him, and then they uh, airlifted him to the hospital. Now, as you can imagine, the weird part was, apparently, nobody's talking to the police. Nobody Weird. at the wedding reception will give statements to the police. The police Really? Yeah, the police No one. The police believe that the shooting came about because of uh, the uh of a fight between the shooter and the groom the night before. Hmm. But nobody in the wedding party is talking. Nope. Like and I that blows I my start mind. I started thinking I was like one of three things. Uh one Everybody must really hate this groom, and so, yep. so they're like, "That's eh, fine. We're not telling. We're not. We're not narking on this guy." Two, everybody must really like the shooter, just the actual person who did it. Yeah. Or three, they all just don't trust the cops. Hmm. I think maybe oh. it might be all three. I don't know. I just. Yeah. Gosh, after everything that we've been happening lately. Exactly. Don't Ex- hard to blame them. Exactly. Uh okay. So <laughs> what? Yeah, this story. This story has some of my favorite elements in it, Dave. Some of my favorite uh one, a guy unexplainingly stealing trees. Sweet. Two Nice. A guy using lame excuses that definitely aren't true. Two of my favorite <laughs> things. So Yes. Uh, in Cornish, New Hampshire, 
Cornish, New Hampshire. Okay. A resident uh, called the police on July 23rd and reported that someone had came on his property and stolen a plum tree, rose bushes, oh. lily plants, a lilac bush, a lawnmower, chairs, and a ladder. Jeez. This man is trying to spruce up the, his yard, that's for sure. Really spruce yard it maintenance. up. Minimal maintenance. Now, after getting all the information, the police chief posted information on the Cornish Police Office Facebook page asking for help. Uh-huh. And an anonymous tipper responded to the post and said, yeah, the dude's definitely Russell Anderson. Word. Yeah. He stole those plants. And by the way, I'm pretty sure he's already planted all the plants in his backyard. Wow. Right. And so the cops then drove to Russell's house. And as they drove by, they were like, yeah, those are definitely the plants. And they look newly planted there in his yard. Yep. Um, mm. Now, it's at this time that I should tell you that Russell's track record uh, in the Department of uh, Burglary is less than mm -hmm. stellar. Word. Russell had just been released from jail on July 13th, 2020 for repor wow. reported burglary. Yeah. Oh, boy. And he was arrested a year prior to that for burglary. Um, <laughs> no, not that good. So the police showed up at Russell's front door and said, uh, Russ, did you steal those plants? And Russ said, whoa, hey, <laughs> what? No. Those plants, you know what? It's a crazy thing about those plants. Those were an anonymous gift from somebody for me getting out of jail. Word. Yeah. Uh, that's actually a pretty good excuse. <laughs> no. I thought no. it was going to be way worse. No. I thought it was going to be way worse. So they were like, really? Uh, anonymous gift? He said, yeah. Yeah, four days after I got out of jail, I woke up. And found bushes in the driveway with a note and some tools. And the note said, welcome home and happy planting. And then when you know it, the next morning, same thing. More plants. So there you go. That's where those plants came from. End of story. I will how, see you guys how can, later. How can you not believe that? <laughs> oh, come on. Well, apparently the police did not buy Russell's story. Blam. Now... Man, I was sold. Now, call, to call me crazy, though, Dave, um, but, like, if that happened to me, I would be weirded out. Yes! You know? Like, if I was Russell and that showed up, I would be calling everybody I know, like, hey, did you leave plants at my house? Some weirdo left exactly plants at my house. I exactly who sent it to me. Yeah, like... My one, my one buddy who, who I told you plants all the stuff in his yard... He he would he would do that. Yeah, he'd be like, "You need a tree in your yard. Here you go." I would call him up and be like, "Hey, is this your tree? You tell me the truth right now. I want to know whose Take tree this is." <laughs> but then, I I mean, not to hate and evaluate on Russell's criminal work here, but if he really wanted to be sneaky, here's what he should have done: he needed to steal a couple of plants and not actually plant those. Get rid of them, right? Just throw or those, he, or he like steal them from a park or something. Not a well, a you private. You throw away a couple of plants, resident. and then you actually buy just a couple of plants. So then you still have the tags and the 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 buckets they came in. And when the cops are like, oh. "Hey, did you steal those plants?" You're like, "No, nah, check out the buckets." 
Right here. Yeah, here's my here's my evidence. I right? got him. Oh, look at right. That. That's why you're a doctor. That's why you're smart. <laughs> that's why you you're a, a doctor. Criminal. Because you're a criminal. I knew it. Ah, that's it. Makes sense. I ah, got it. Yeah, I'm just I saying. that one through. I'm just saying, Russ. <laughs> come on, man. Come on, bro. Anyways, okay. So last uh, story before. We take a break here. I'm going to give you, uh, again, we're going to have uh, three choices here. So we're going to go, uh, you can either choose from KFC, new slogan, uh, or car theft in England, or uh, new donut. Hmm. Man, I, I think I want to know the new slogan for KFC. Sweet. Okay, well... Dave, I, I, you know, I hoped it wouldn't have come to this, but for all the listeners, I have some bad, bad pandemic news. I hope you're Don't all... Tell me they're ending the sandwich. I hope you're all sitting down. Luckily, they're not I getting rid of the sandwich, Dave. So don't... It's not that bad. Thank goodness. It's not that Thank bad. goodness. But... Oh, that's Popeye's I'm thinking of. They have the famous sandwich. I haven't tried that one still. Yeah, Sorry, I'm derailing. Neither have I. Don't worry. We'll get to it. Popeye's sandwich is important. Yes! Very important. Somebody else, another chicken place, came out with a competitive sandwich. I forget who it was. It wasn't KFC, oh. and obviously Chick-fil-A already has one. Somebody else came yeah. out with one to try to, to rival it. Anyways, we mm. both derailed. KFC has announced that they will suspend the use of the slogan finger licking good word yeah. oh my gosh yes because it's a promotion of bad hygiene that people should not be doing during the pandemic you know oh that is the softest bullcrap <laughs> i've ever heard now God, our world is so soft lately now i hate it I, I'm thinking, though, right? There's a way to save this, Dave. There's a way to save it. Hmm. So you need to keep it similar because people are used to it. They're used to the way that it rolls off the tongue, right? KFC, mm -hmm. it's finger licking good. Rolls right off, right? right. So I'm going to yep. suggest that a new slogan, similar message, same syllables, same enthusiasm. It will work just as well. Are you ready? I'm ready. KFC, it's mother good. Huh? Boom. Huh? <laughs> it's right there. They just have you bleeped out on the commercial. <laughs> right there. Yeah, just bleep it out. That work? Come on. And I think it's same enthusiasm, same syllables, and it'll... it'll they need you on it. It'll, you need to be the person. Yes! It'll get the people excited, Dave. It will get the people going. Yes! It's awesome. It will work, man. It will work. Oh. I'm telling you. KFC... Go with it. Go KFC, with it. if you're listening, give Doc G a call. Don't. He will do it. Don't even worry. They totally are listening. We know all the KFC execs listen to the Doc G show. That's it's obvious. Yes. All right. Yes. We are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest, The Cold Stairs. This is the, off their new EP. This is Third World War right here on the Doc G show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKR, LP, 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, uh, Florida. Dave? Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, please do us a huge favor. Mm-hmm. Go on your podcast downloading app. Yes. Download the Doc G Show. Mm-hmm. You can listen to it whenever you're doing your lawn maintenance, mm-hmm. any tedious tor- chores mm-hmm. around the house while mm-hmm. you're working from home, whenever. Just put us on in the background. Yeah. You'll yeah. thank me. You'll you don't thank e- me later. You don't even have to listen, as we said before. Just no, turn it on. Just let it run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give us a five-star review. Like and, it. All that fun stuff. And I mean, if our Give voices annoy you too much, just put it on mute. Yes! Just keep you it running. Put it on mute. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We, yep. don't, we, don't, we don't care. Nope. It's cool. No, it's cool. we don't. It'll artificially <laughs> inflate our confidence, and we will enjoy Boom. that. We will like it's, that. It's it's a number. It's also, a number. I've mentioned, Dave, obviously there are folks that are already listening to the podcast. For those people, you go out, find a friend. Make a pyramid scheme of, scheme of this. You tell yeah, a friend. Send it they to tell them. a friend. It spreads. It Just spreads. text them a link. Exactly. Don't say anything else. Exactly. That's right. That's 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 the that's the true winner pusher mentality right there. Just here. Yes. I'm not even gonna say anything. There you go. Boom. Boom. I like it, Dave. I like it. Okay. We need to thank the regulars. The shout out time is upon us, Dave. Um Let's do you want to hear the newcomer semi regulars or regulars first? Hmm. We'll go. Regulars first today. Okay. All right. Let's get those regulars out. Here we go. Uh, Jacksonville, Florida, the hometown. Shout out. Columbia, South Carolina, the capital city of South Carolina. Shout out. Gainesville, Florida, home of the Gators. Shout out. Go Gators. Radford, Virginia, home of the Highlanders. Shout out to you guys. Boom. Thank you, Dave. Dublin, Ireland. Shout out to our guys in Ireland and gals in Ireland. Shout out. Boardman, Oregon. Shout out to our second West Coast connection. Shout out. Charlotte, North Carolina. Carolina, Queen City, shout out to you guys. Shout Charleston, out. South Carolina, shout out to you in the low country. Shout Barcelona, out. Spain, our regulars from Spain, thank you. We appreciate it. Shout Ashburn, out. Virginia, our first Commonwealth listener right there, shout out to you guys. Shout Roanoke, Virginia, our second Commonwealth listeners. There you go, shout, shout out, out to you guys. It. Exactly. Kenner, Louisiana, in the heart of New Orleans, shout out to you guys. Madison, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville, shout out to you shout guys. Out. Mountain Las View, Vegas. California, our first West Coast connection, shout out to you guys. London, United Kingdom, all the areas around, shout out shout to you out. guys. Orlando, Florida, home of the bubble, shout out to you guys. Peoria, Illinois, shout out to you guys. Hopefully the lemonade stands are going well. Uh, Genoa, Italy, shout out to you guys in the boot. Brighton, United Kingdom, shout out to you guys. Bristol, Virginia, Moscow, Russia, Fishersville, Virginia, and Columbus, Georgia, shout out to you all. Man, what a list. Thank you, guys. There we go. And ladies. The regulars. We have to we have to appreciate those regular listeners. I mean, I can count on indeed. them. Indeed. I can count on them. And I mean, some of those, you really gotta appreciate it, Dave. Some of those, some of those listeners, you know, have been listening for three years. Say what? Like I can tell Damn. you, the Ashburn listeners from Virginia, 
three years. Genoa, Italy, three years. Mountain View, California, three years. That's a lot of time spent years. on the Doc G Show. Yeah, over 100 episodes, easily. Easily. 100, you know, I mean, we've got 187 now. But, like, right. you know, I mean, yeah, I, I, they may have missed a couple. I'm not judging. I'm, th- I'm happy. I'm happy. We don't judge. Anyways, okay, semi-regulars. Houston, Texas. One more week, Dave, and they're going in regulars. One more. Here it is here. Yeah. Yeah. Los Angeles, California, City of Angels. Shout out to you guys. Uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Shout out to you guys. San Diego, California. Shout out to you guys. Scottsdale, Arizona. Shout out to you guys. And Dallas, Texas. Shout out to you folks. Man, we had a Texas West Coast connection in the semi-regulars. All Texas and West Coast. Um, okay. Newcomers. International or domestic? What do you want to hear first? Hmm. Uh, international. International. Port of Spain, Trinidad, and Tobago. Yes. Yes. Nice. Trinidad and Tobago. Now, that's right. Islanders on. Yeah, right, right off the coast of Venezuela. They're pretty close. Like, you know, like I think almost on like a calm day, if you were like a real intrepid paddleboarder, you could try it. Wait, what? You could try it. I mean, I'd try it and definitely die, too, but you could try too it. Too much for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, too much for me, too, but I'm too dumb for my own good. Yes! Uh, ba- unless it comes to criminal activity. Wait, what? Um, yeah. Back, back in 2009, Barack Obama hit up the port of Spain. Yeah. For the uh. fifth, fifth summit of the Americas. Yeah, he was there. Now... Uh, also, Sir Derek Walcott, a Nobel Prize winner in literature, lived there. Yeah. Wow. He wasn't born that. there, but he, he lived there. He was born in St. Lucia. St. Lucia. Wow. Which okay. I got to say, I think St. Lucia is my number one spot in the Caribbean I would like to visit. It looks so cool. So I cool. Know. But I will say it's a downer. They've got volcanic activity. Wait, what? It's a little well, scary. That, that increases the excitement. I don't know. It's a little scary. I would need like <laughs> I would need an emergency jet ski, right, th- to make me feel safe. If you gave me an emergency jet ski that I knew if I started feeling some rumbling, I'd be like, I'm out of here, ah! and just rev <laughs> off on my At jet ski. Yeah, that would be okay. Anyways, also Nicki Minaj, born in Port of Spain. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Do you know um, she's 38? What? I, that sounds about right. I, I had no idea she was that old. She's older than me. What are you doing, uh, Nikki? When you God. say when you say that, when you say that, that does make her sound old. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, now Jay Z, he's just out there in ancient times. But I mean, come on. Fair. Come well, on. How old Beyonce then? I mean, Beyonce's got to be. She's she's older. around the same age, I think, as Nikki. Yeah. She's like thirty-eight or something along those lines. Uh, yeah. So I'm she's she's good. Weren't... She's a good deal younger than. Uh, yeah, she's thirty-eight. She's thirty-eight. Yeah, look at that. Also, out of oh, a semi-regular man. out of Houston, there. So you know, our 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 shout-outs to Houston, Shout there, out. home of Beyonce. There you go. Anywho, okay, let's go to the domestic here. Uh, okay. Greensburg, Pennsylvania. Shout out. Uh, where's that? It's about 20 miles southeast of Pittsburgh. So okay. it's on the, it's okay. on the west side of uh, of Pennsylvania. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. 
down there near closer to the bottom. Now, a uh, couple interesting things. One of the first professional football teams in the country was in Greensburg. Hmm. Really? Yeah, from 1890 to 1900. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Also, Jesse Grant, staunch abolitionist and father of, of President Ulysses Grant from Greensburg. There you go. There you there go. There you go. Yeah. Now, uh, to the important part, Dave. I If I'm going to get some food in Greensburg, I've been mm-hmm. told by TripAdvisor, I've got to hit up Loopy and Leo's. Say what? Loopy oh, and Leo's. That sounds, that sounds fire. My goodness, Dave. Hey, first of all, the ambiance. I looked at some pictures in there. You know, it's just like in an old strip mall, but you go in there and it's just that... Just that great ambiance of a local Italian place, man. It's just great. Definitely. It's just great. And then on you top walk of in, that, you know what you're getting. Exactly. They have some. They have some out there stuff. They've got brisket mac and cheese pizza. Wait, what? What? Oh, what? 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 They've what is got this place called Loopy and Leo's. Loopy and Leo's. They've got the wrecking ball. Which is an eight-ounce meatball with pepperoni slices, garlic, herb butter, ricotta cheese, and marinara sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I this can tell. Is making me hungry. I can tell if I lived in Greensburg, Loopy and Leo's would be my spot. That's a fact. My it would go-to. be my spot, even though I don't live there. It's my. It's now my Greensburg spot. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Done. It's my spot in Greensburg. I'm telling you, folks, listeners, new listeners out in Greensburg, save a spot for me at Loopy and Leo's. I'm there. Yes. S- side note, they're, they're not open for in dining service, but they do oh, have takeout. Sad. They do have sad. takeout, so don't worry about it. You can get takeout. You can say hey to everybody in the kitchen. You can get it done. Shout out to Loopy and Leo's. I've got faith that it, awesome. it was somebody at Loopy and Leo's that was listening to our show. I got faith. It definitely was. Definitely. Okay. While they were while they were whipping in the kitchen. Exactly. While they were making the wrecking ball. Boom. Say what? Um mm. You thought, man, that's a tank for your stomach right there. Tank. Uh, I'm ready for it. Thank you for all the listeners out there. We definitely do appreciate it. Dave, we got a couple of leftover stories here. Uh, I saved a couple. Now, Dave, I've I've got a big announcement here. Finally, something on TikTok. That I found worthwhile. Say what? Something <laughs> on TikTok that I found worthwhile. Jake okay. Paul Jones, a uh-huh. user of TikTok, posted on his TikTok uh, him working at Krispy Kreme Donuts. He's posted uh-huh. several posts of him working at Krispy Kreme. And several people had wondered what would happen if you put a freshly fried donut through the glazing machine multiple times Hmm. instead of just one time. Ah, that's a great question. So Jake ran the same donut through the glazer 25 times. Jeez. 25 times. And then... That sounds fantastic. He took the donut home and tried it with his friends. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Now... You spread one donut between a bunch of friends? Well, I mean, this donut had about two pounds of glaze on it. So... Oh, man. It was, like, no exaggeration. It's about at least an inch of glaze on top of this thing. 
at least. Um, all of his friends uh, really seem pretty disgusted with the extreme mm-hmm. amount of sugar, except mm-hmm. for his friend Carson, who he said proceeded to eat the whole thing. Um, this just in, Dave. McDonald's has started using Carson's as a milkshake topper because that's how much diabetes uh, he now has. Yuck. That's Ew. very disgusting. Yes. Very disgusting, Carson. Yes. Very disgusting. But not but my it, joke. It was that was right on it had point. To be, it had to be done. That's a fact. It's true. It's true. Um, okay. So this next story is to show you there are Karens all around the world. Word. There are Karens all around the world who take the law into their own hands hmm. and they should definitely not. Nope. And they still assume that people are doing things wrong just because of the color of skin. All around the world. Uh. Not just in America, Dave. Not just in America. So, uh, this happened in England. In England. Oh, okay. So, Abdi Care, Abdi Care, who lives in Bristol, England, uh, had his car parallel parked on a street and was cleaning out his glove compartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, while he was cleaning out his glove compartment, he saw a lady who was riding a bike stop and start looking at him. Hmm. And he didn't really pay much attention to it because he's like, whatever. And he went back and started cleaning his car again. He then saw her circle back around and come back Gosh. around and look at him again. And he was like, what does this lady want? So he turned around and was like, can I help you? And the lady comes up and says, yeah, yeah. What are you doing in this car, sir? Can you tell me the registration number for this car? Wait, what? What? She asked him for his registration number. As another citizen, she asked him for his registration number. To my surprise, he actually knew his registration number. Dude, and he I have told no her. idea what mine is. <laughs> I have no idea either. Are you kidding? Nope. Like, it's crazy. Uh, so then, of course, he flipped out and was like, it's my car, lady. Leave me the F alone. Right? Yeah. And he then still she, calls the police. And then she was like, hey, hey, okay, I get it. Calm down, buddy. And left. Word. Now, of course, this video of this incident went viral. And, you know, Abdi explained how he couldn't believe that she was judging him on the color of his skin, what he was doing. And I totally agree. But I've also got to add, Dave, that, like, I don't care what a person's color of their skin is. Just mind your own business. Like, literally, it's if she thought that guy was stealing the car, then call the cops, call it in, and then... Do you, Don't go uh, back uh, to your own life. As as I've said, Dave, in many stories on this show, unless I see physical harm going down, it doesn't concern me. Nope. I don't care what you're doing. Nope. If you're robbing the car, bad karma on you, but I'm not calling the cops. That's because like, you're that's because you're a villain. <laughs> <laughs> you're a you're a thief. <laughs> oh, but, but like honestly, you don't, you don't other villains. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. Like you don't know what that person is doing. Like unless right, right. you know that's your like your husband's car, 
there's no nothing that you can do. Like, oh man, right, it's right. just so ridiculous. There are so many things wrong with that story on top of the racism. It's insane. Like, just like why? Like, who does? Like, who? Like, who? Even even like, who would take their their you know law enforcement into their own hands like that? Like, Dude, you know what? I'm gonna go control this situation. Like, who thinks that? Like, freaking Karen. Go back to go back to the people leaving plants on your on your front porch. I'm calling the cops. <laughs> I'm like, hey, cops, figure out who put these plants here, man. I don't want them here. They left me a creepy note about saying welcome back. It's creepy. Like, just nah. Anyways, anyways, Dave. Okay, it's time for the second birthday suit. Alrighty. Okay, so the second birthday suit I'm a little less confident in. I know, especially near the start of your tenure here on the Doc G Show, we've talked mm -hmm. about him before, mm. but oh. I, I don't know if you will uh, recognize him. Okay. I know What's you know chances? him. I know you know him, but we'll see. We'll see if you can name him here from the description. So I gave him 75%. Okay. 75. Uh, 75. Okay. All right. Born in Atlanta, Georgia on August 26, 1980. Our birthday suit wearer moved at a young age to Houston because both of his parents were professors and moved for their jobs. Our birthday suit wearer ended up going to Clark Atlanta University with a bachelor's mm -hmm. degree in economics. He then received a master's in politics from Claremont Graduate School. And then he got a master's in economics from UNC. Jeez. While working on his doctorate in economics at UNC, he started doing radio shows in the Durham area. Mm -hmm. He first did a sports show called Three Hour Lunch Break and then Sports Saturdays. In 2010, he started a new show called The Morning Jones. Mm. In 2012, he started regularly appearing on the Dan Lebitard show, Highly Questionable. In 2015, he started hosting his own show called The Right Time on ESPN Radio. In 2017, he stopped airing The Right Time as a radio show to focus on his new show titled High Noon with Pablo Torre. Name that birthday suit where... Based off a of highly questionable, I'm going to go with Bomani Jones. You are correct, sir. Bomani Jones. I love you some, Bomani. I love him. I love him, man. Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if the listeners now remember my, my conversations, but I was so angry when they got rid of The Right Time as a radio show. Yes! Yeah. Now, yeah. I, I don't know if I would say it's better than, uh, than Jalen and Jacoby. But it's close. Mm -hmm. It's close. And that was some of my favorite sports time radio ever right there because they were back-to-back. Bomani yeah, Jones, yeah, yeah. The Right Time, and then Jalen and Jacoby. And I loved listening to those two. And then, they well, they didn't get rid of Jalen and Jacoby. They did on ESPN Radio. But, I mean, they're still, they're still kicking. And, I mean, The Right Time is still there, but it's just not the same on the podcast. He just... He just, it, it doesn't feel the same with him. But it was just, mm. it was such good sports radio, man. He made I you. I love Bomani's takes. I mean, Bomani made you think. He made you yep. laugh. He yep. wasn't just yelling about dumb shit. 
that didn't matter. It was <laughs> right. It was so so good, and he was kind. And, and the most impressive thing, he did that radio show basically by himself. Man. Like he wasn't talking to anybody. Like really, the yeah, only yeah. person that he would talk to occasionally was Shannon, his his uh, producer. Producer. And he would just jump in like every like ten minutes or so. Like he wouldn't talk. Like it was crazy, man. Crazy. But he's such he's such a talented, such a talented host. He needs to go back to that. And obviously, extremely talented in the academic field as well. Could have see that, man. Could have been a professor in economics, man. Man. Could have been a professor in economics. Decided to go the the ESPN route. Obviously, it worked pretty well for him. Sad news. <laughs> Recently, though, High Noon did uh, did uh, get canceled. Oh. It got canceled. But Sad. like again, I just didn't feel it with High Noon. Girl, come on. I hope they go back to it. Somehow they find their way back to the right time as an ESPN radio show. They need to listen to me now, listen, ESPN. Listen to him. First off, KFC execs listen to me. Now ESPN execs. Check it out. This guy knows what he's talking about. Or Disney execs. Whoever you want to... Wherever in the hierarchy. Anyways. Whoever he needs to talk to. Yeah. (laughs) We are going to take a break. We will be right back with Chris Tapp from the Cold Stairs. Right here on the Doc G Show. The Doc G Show. Because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are very lucky to have a fantastic songwriter who definitely has a lot of life experience to draw on and also just so happens to be the singer and plays guitar for the Cold Stairs, Mr. Chris Tapp. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm great, Ben. Thanks for having me. Yes. Yes, indeed, man. So, um... I've noticed. I've looked. You've you've done some good music things. You've definitely got some uh, some material over the pandemic. But I wanted to ask you a couple of uh, non music pandemic questions first. Uh, sure. I noticed you're a pretty big car guy, and I noticed you were installing some uh, some Mopar parts there, and you had a hashtag <laughs> of Dodge Challenger. Uh, what kind of Dodge Challenger are you rocking there? And were those uh, installments successful? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, good eye. <laughs> I, um, it's a uh, it's a twenty twenty RT that I, I just got recently. My uh, my dad owned automotive stores whenever I was growing up, and uh, I started working on cars when I was like thirteen. So um, for the last I don't know ten or so years, once uh, once a year, once eighteen months or so, I, I usually buy something stock and then do a lot of work to it and drive it for eight nine months and then then sell it and move on to the next one so this year's project is a uh, is a 2020 rt challenger i bet it's speed. i bet it's pretty nice is it pretty fun to drive yeah it's a it's a blast i've done i've done quite a bit of work to it in the last month or two i changed the suspension out and did a little engine work so yeah it's it's a beast man it's fun 
Man, that's 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 the home away from the studio, huh? Is the uh, the garage? Yeah, anything with a anything with an engine, I've always kind of been attracted to. So nice, that is nice. Well, I I also have seen a lot of posts on on westerns. You put a lot of uh, movie movie pictures out there from the uh, from the the western genre, and I was wondering yeah. if you could tell me what your favorite. Can you pick a favorite western? You know, it changes so often because I'm such a um, I'm such a fan of of the genre in, in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I don't know, man. Right now, <laughs> I love uh, I love Yellowstone. Actually, the yeah. new uh, the new TV series is is fantastic um, for sure. But man, I I would I could list off thirty films. It just depends on on the week and what I need inspiration for writing. Yeah. Well, I definitely saw you. You posted on uh, Unforgiven a couple times, and it's it's in it's got to be in my top three of westerns. Yes. I that's an amazing yeah. movie. It, it's an amazing movie, and the way it's written, and then I mean Morgan Freeman and Clint Eastwood, and just yeah, yeah. It it's a it's a super powerful movie, I think, and and it, I've used that one for. Uh, for ammunition for writing songwriting nice. stuff quite a few times so it's a good one very nice well uh so the cold stairs that is your group obviously you guys have been going since uh about 2010 and uh you uh you just released the black sunset ep some killer songs on the ep and i heard actually at the start of 2020 before sort of the world broke into craziness you you were planning on releasing three albums. Now I know you're still planning on releasing Dark Horse, but are you still trying to get two other ones out by the end of 2020? Yeah, we will. We will um, have an acoustic record that comes out, and then we have an album that's going to be called Heavy Shoes. Wow, that we've kind of revamped. That uh, we we went in the studio in uh, Sam Phillips in Memphis in December, and cut that record um and had planned on putting it out in may before all this stuff happened but we couldn't get back down to memphis to finish it so yeah we uh, we ended up finishing at dark horse in nashville yeah. and um so so that one will come out for sure we've got a cover of uh thin lizzie's jailbreak mm-hmm. that's coming out next month and then we have an acoustic record and some other stuff so yeah we're gonna we're you know, there's not a during this time when we can't tour, you can't do much else. I don't think it 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 doesn't make sense to waste that time. So we're we're keeping our head down and putting out as much stuff as we can. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just realized I said dark horse instead of heavy shoes. Girl, come on. My bad. I mean, no, you're right. That's where <laughs> that's where we finished it. Yeah, that's yeah. Where we did the record was at, at at dark horse. So. For sure. I, w- I want to get to. I want to talk about that album in a little bit. But first, let's uh, let's take the listeners back because man, I listened to your recent, well, sort of recent interview on uh, Everyone Loves Guitars, and God. You got you got an interesting backstory, man. Just so many things. Like sometimes when I'm getting ready for an interview and I'm I'm doing some research, I actually get a little less excited about doing it. I'm like, nah, nah, this is I mean, this is cool. He's got good music and everything. But you just got so much so much interesting things that have happened. Not all good, obviously, but uh it's such such an interesting story in music. And uh one of your first music memories I heard was you watching Jerry Lee Lewis with your granddad 
and him telling you if you played the piano like Jerry did, you'd get all the girls you wanted. Did did you believe him <laughs> when he said that? I, I believed everything my grandfather ever said, yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice. I did. Was, uh, I found that a little ironic, just considering that Jerry ended up marrying his thirteen-year-old cousin. But I was like, <laughs> you know, it's a still nobody could play the piano like Jerry for sure. He, my granddad, loved. Uh, he loved Jerry Lee Lewis, but he loved Jimmy Swaggart. Mm-hmm. He, he loved. Yeah, he just he loved music in general. He he didn't play music, but yeah, er, very early on, you know. Nice. I mean, like whenever I was three and four, I, I can I had those memories of sitting in his lap and watching watching those shows. Nice, nice. So, so you went on to actually start taking lessons, and you were going through recitals. And I heard you talk about the one recital when you were six, and you you were playing really fast. You were playing a classical piece, but you just played it ultra fast and to a little bit of your own tune. Were you trying yeah. at that time? to be Jerry Lee Lewis when you were playing like that? You know, actually, at that age, uh, I think somebody, like I had some older friends that were into music that were in their, you know, early teens, 12, 13 years old, and they were listening to, like, the Yngwie Malmsteen stuff. Yeah. So I, I thought, you know, I'm not as cool maybe on the piano as I am the guitar, but I'll, <laughs> if I play it really fast, you know, that might be cool. So I don't, I don't know how that got in my head. But I played a, I probably played a three minute song in about forty five seconds. So uh, <laughs> somehow I did. Uh, I was, I was thinking maybe in your head you were getting ready to kick out the stool and light the piano on fire and walk out of the, uh, walk out of the recital. Maybe a little Jerry inspiration. Um, I, I wish. I wish. <laughs> well, so you've been, like you said, you've been making songs all, all your life, and you. You were on the piano for the start for about 13, you know, up to the age of about 13. And you were you were working with some other kids and the, the guitar player quit. So you started playing the guitar. And I found it really interesting because I hear all the time uh, artists say, you know, I started I started guitar and I learned myself. But you, I heard you say you you didn't have a book. You didn't get any like lessons at the time. You basically just transposed what you learned on the guitar or on the piano onto the guitar. So you had all these funky chords that didn't really look like the traditional open chords. How how long did you like play like that before you started sort of integrating some of that traditional stuff? Oh man, I didn't I didn't start uh, I did not start trying to learn guitar in a traditional method until about 10 years ago. Wow. And so I played, I played a long time, uh, just in the way that, that I had kind of taught myself to play. And I, and I didn't, I never spent much time, uh, doing cover songs or trying to learn other people's songs. As soon as I was able to tune the guitar and kind of bang through it, I, I started writing songs. So, nice. um, in the last 10 years or so, I've really just kind of fell in love with guitar and taking some time to learn how to read tab. Of course, I could always read music, but to learn the fretboard and mm-hmm. it just become more familiar with it just because I've, I'm wanting to play other styles than just the style that I write in. But yeah, I played for a really long time where I just, you know, people would watch me play and just kind of, I think I'd off because they would try to 
try to figure out what I'm doing. A lot of times I was either tuned differently or I was yeah. playing the chords kind of wonky. So. Do, do you think it helped you when you came back like 10 years, you know, 10 years ago when you started sort of going over the traditional stuff? Did it give you sort of a leg up because it was actually easier than what you were doing or was it harder because you were just so ingrained in those ways that you had taught yourself? Um, I don't think either one really. I don't, I don't think it was, you know, I, I, I knew how I like to play certain things and, mm -hmm. and do certain things and to see how maybe it was done traditionally. Then I just had both options. But the one thing that it did do early on was it created sparks for writing. So, yeah. you know, just just kind of teaching my way, uh, teaching myself to play that way, created sounds and stuff that I wasn't necessarily hearing or, or shapes that I wasn't necessarily hearing on other people's records. So it would help me to kind of write, um, you know, if the chords sound exactly like uh, knocking on heaven's door, it's hard not to write something that sounds like that. But if they, yeah. if they sound completely weird, you know, or different, it kind of takes you to a different place. So. For sure. For sure. Well, talk about uh, talking about those inspirations. If if the listeners go to the Cold Stairs Instagram page, it it's not hard to see a lot of your inspirations because, like the westerns, you you put them out there. You pay homage to them a lot. Uh, John Lee Hooker and Johnny Cash and Little Richard and Robert Johnson, Jimi Hendrix and Zeppelin and etc. Uh, um, these these aren't really from the time that you grew up though. You know, uh, I mean, if you were to look at your, if you were to look at your inspirations, a lot of them, you'd be like, man, this guy's probably 60. This guy's probably 60, 70 years old. When you were growing up, it was, it was a little bit uh, further in musical time than that. Can you think of an artist that was making sort of popular music when you were growing up that, that still inspires you or that inspired you then? Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot, you know, I, I loved, um, in my when I was growing up, I loved Soundgarden and Nice Allison Chains, and um, you know I loved uh, I loved the whole grunge movement, and mm -hmm. that that was kind of around the time that I was you know getting yeah. going. But I've always felt like um, I, I just never kind of identified with my generation, <laughs> or really the generation before 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 my generation was kind of the hair metal thing. Yeah, I never I loved some of that, but. I never really, it never really was my thing. And, and so older kids that were playing that stuff at that time, I was fascinated with Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton and stuff that was a decade before. And then yeah. during the grunge thing, you know, I, I eventually, I think the older I got, the further I went back in the music catalog. So I, I, as people were listening to grunge, I was going back and listening to, you know, Charlie Patton and Skip James and yeah. John Lee Hooker. I was into older, older blue stuff, but it's hard to escape whatever generation you're in. So, I mean, a lot of our music is heavy because I grew up in an age where people that were playing guitar were playing heavy, heavy guitar stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it's, that's, that's part of it. And I love that too. You know, I, lo I love, uh, there's two kinds of music, good and bad. Yeah. I, I'm not, but what really stokes my fire usually on anything, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's anything in life is is historical stuff yeah nice nice well it you know i i tell a lot of people as far as like the grunge movement you can you can easily make lineage of all those grunge artists to 70s artists and then you can make Absolutely. lineage easily from those 70s artists to the 50s artists 
and then you can go yeah. back to the 30s of like you were saying your your you know your traditional blues players and uh and country players so it it definitely makes sense you always want to sort of uncover and where where did this person get this sound where did they get inspired from this and sometimes it doesn't sound like it at all but it still sounds yeah. amazing yeah. Speaking of those influences, those old influences, I also saw you just finished uh, Brother Robert, the a book about uh, Robert Johnson. How, how, how'd you like it? I, I loved it. Um, of course, I, you know, if they found a shoestring that belonged to Robert Johnson, I'd be excited <laughs> about that. I was, I was um, ecstatic that they had found another a photograph of him because yeah. I, didn't, I, I never thought that would happen in my lifetime. And then to kind of hear... Um, the voice of somebody that that grew up around him uh tell those stories in the book was was pretty amazing yeah my my the people i was closest to in my life my grandfather my great aunt was another one and the voice that she that robert's sister spoke in sounded Mm -hmm. a lot like my great aunt you know southern and yeah she never called people by their first name it was mr this or mrs this yeah my my great aunt was the same way so nice i love that southern southern culture and uh yeah the the book the book was great it just always leaves you wanting more anything with robert johnson always makes you wish there was just something else that yeah. kind of it's, explained that story a little bit more it's part of i mean it's part of the great draw you know i mean you just yeah. you're, you're always left with more you got that little morsel those amazing songs a couple pictures and that's pretty much it that's pretty much it. That's it. Um, I also noticed you made a post on Don Henley talking about uh, inspirations, which Sweet. made me extremely happy because all the listeners know I'm a huge Henley fan. Yes. Like, he's just, he's up there for me. And I, I was thinking about how, you know, he, you yourself being such a great songwriter, it, it's pretty, it, it's got to be pretty inspiring, I'm guessing, to look at an all-time sort of wordsmith like Henley was. He he's just you know, he's just amazing and I think in any conversation that you have with anybody as far as any genre of music, whether it's country or rock or rap or whatever, mm-hmm. I think the argument can be made that Henley is one of the best. If mm-hmm. if not the best of the last fifty years as far as, you know, look at his work with the Eagles and then you look at his solo work mm-hmm. and then even if you remove his ability to write these just amazing songs look at his voice i mean yeah, just yeah. you have a million you have a million guys that sound like this person or that person but who really sounds like don henley other yeah. than don yeah you know the only person i can think is you take somebody like a michael mcdonald that has a personalized voice but don henley uh yeah i don't know man there's just i I sometimes think I, I look at a song I've written. I think, man, that's a great song. Or I, I listen to something that's recent, and I think, yeah, that's a good song. And then I hear one of those Henley songs, and I'm like, shit, but not not even <laughs> in the same ballpark, you know. It, I always I always loved how he just made things so he he made them so clear, but without saying much. Like, I mean, like in Lion Eyes, me and my brother talk about that last verse all the time where he he says, ain't it funny how your new life didn't change things. You're still the same old girl you used to be. And that last, that last line has so much venom in it, but it doesn't actually say anything bad. 
Like you can just yeah. you can feel it. it's so he's so good at just making those carefully lined words and uh, yeah it it made me I mean it it made me very happy when I saw you post that I was just like yes yes uh, I hundred percent agree with you and you know we were touring um, we were in Sweden last uh, a year before last mm-hmm. touring and I met, I met somebody we were having a conversation about American music and he said that Don Henley's songs really gave him a visual of what America was like. He had never mm. been here. And, and those, those songs are so American in the expression of the words that Don uses. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, so I, I, I love I love that, too. It, it just connects to a visual of mm-hmm. so. We, re- we recently, we just had Zade Wolf, who's a, sort of a, 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 a pop artist on the show, and he, he covered Don Henley's uh, Boys of Summer. And that's what we were talking about is just how those lyrics, how you can't reminisce from those lyrics. Like you can see everything and it will connect you to a time in your life, even if you didn't, you know, have it there before. When you listen to it, you instantly go to that place, that summer place. He's he's so good at doing that. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about your band. Obviously, Uh, you guys, so many hurdles for the cold stairs. And, I mean, first of all, it, it seems like you and Brian didn't even plan on being a band. Nope. You know, one of your friends needed somebody to open for his band, and he asked you. When he asked you to open and, and you, you, you got Brian to play with you, had you moved on from seeing yourself uh, having a career in music, or were you just sort of retooling at that time for another band? No, I was done. I, um... I would I would have ended up playing music, you know, my whole life. But I I, I was done seeking it as an opportunity. Yeah. To uh, pay the bills and and that stuff. I my daughter just was just born, and Brian and I were in a band prior to that, and we had done a couple big showcases for some record labels, and they passed, and mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I'm just done. So no, this that gig, the first time that we had played together in after. After the it all went south, we I, we had no inclination that this would do anything at all. Now, did you once once you did that first gig, were you were, did you try to find other gigs after that, or did they find you? No, they found us. We that that first gig, you know, we were going to play a couple cover songs or something, and then Brian said, you know, it'd be cool if we did if you wrote a couple songs and. One of the songs that I wrote for that, or two of the songs that I wrote for the very first gig, mm-hmm. was uh, Jesus Brother James and John. Wow. Uh, so those two songs, and whenever I brought them in for us to kind of rehearse, um, uh, Brian said, "Well, I thought we, I thought you were going to write some songs. <laughs> Whose song is that? You know, he thought, yeah, it was, he thought it was another song. And I think after uh, there was the first time in probably." 10 years that I had written songs where I didn't have the expectation of, hey, I need to write something to help try to get us a record deal. They were just really honest songs I didn't care if anybody liked or anything else. And that was kind of the turning point for me as a songwriter and for us as a band, because after we had those songs, it just connected with everybody. And for sure. Kind of, kind of did own thing. For sure. Now, I've heard you talk about this because obviously... You and you and Brian are are a duo. Uh, that's that's the band. And obviously, at the time that you guys sort of blew up, the Black Keys were already big, 
and the White Stripes had already done their thing. And I've heard you talk about how you made a conscious effort to sort of distance yourself from anything that sort of appeared stylistically like them because you didn't, you know, I mean, they're good, but that's not you guys. Did uh, did yeah. you realize that from the get-go? Like, as soon as you started getting those gigs, you were like, we got to, you know, we got to stay away from that. Or was it like people were starting to get you for gigs and they thought you were the Black Keys? They thought you were like that. Yeah, um, I did make, We, I mean, we just made a, a decision early on. I, first of all, the first year or so, we didn't, I mean, I, I still was, trying to convince myself uh, that we didn't have a band and it wasn't until after we, it wasn't until after we won the hard rock contest in nashville that we i kind of knew that but at that point i was like okay we're not i'm not gonna play red guitars we're gonna dress like a couple guys that came over for a backyard picnic we're not gonna dress stylistically like these other guys i'm yeah. not gonna play super cheap guitars mm-hmm. um and i'm you know we're just not gonna do those things but the other thing is that early on um I mean, the Black Keys and the White Stripes didn't have a bass player, but they also did not use bass really on those yeah. early recordings. And I hated that. I mean, I, I loved and admired the songwriting mm-hmm. and have a, a mad amount of, of respect for, for both of those guys' songwriting. But yeah. I hated that it didn't have bass. So I told Brian, I was like, I'm, we're not doing this unless I can figure out a way to play bass mm. and guitar together. Yeah. Um, so, and then a lot of times, you know, I would say... You know, 80% of the gigs that we got in the first couple of years, they didn't realize we were a two-piece until we showed up. We would send the recordings, and they would listen to the recordings and book the band. But then they would always say, the sound guy or somebody else would say, well, where's the other players? And I would say, it's just us two. <laughs> and especially early on, they would say, well, you know, it's not going to sound like the recording. Or they their expectations would be really low, and then we yeah. would just kind of knock them out. So that helped us. You know, it helped us a lot that, People would think, you know, we had a dude come up once and said, yeah, I thought you guys were going to be some like acoustic thing. He goes, I, you guys, where's the other? They, they thought we had some players that we had either hidden or we were playing to some tracks. I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it's just us. So. Now, now you don't you don't have any loops. It's just basically your signal of your guitar is going to three different amps, sort of representing a bass, a rhythm and a lead sort of deal. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We don't. We've never played with any kind of loops, and we've never done any kind of tracks. And I don't do any kind of loops or sequencing or anything like that. I have man. The the system that I have set up has uh, three to four amps in it, and I they just come. The amps come in and out at different points of the song to change the dynamics. Yeah. So there's two or three guitar amps, and then there's always a bass amp. But if you, you know, early on, I, my template was kind of like. Uh, ACDC Highway to Hell. If you listen to that song, or like there's a, a lot of songs from that generation mm-hmm. that have guitar in the verse and the bass doesn't come in until the chorus. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of use that as a template to start, you know, and start writing. Nice, nice. Well, like you said, you guys got traction even though you weren't trying to get traction, really. And you, you won that hard rock contest. And you were getting noticed by a lot of record labels. You had interest from several of them. And then you got uh, uh, just a, a slap in the face from life. Uh, you, you noticed a, a bump under your arm. And it turned out it was, it was advanced cancer. Now, it sounded almost like 
when you heard it, you didn't stop making music at all. Like when I heard you talk about this uh, this uh, cancer diagnosis, it sounded like you almost went, you know, directly into the studio and just started recording stuff. How long was it after you heard this diagnosis that you couldn't write anything? That you were just sort of blown away by it? Um, I don't. I, th- I think for a moment, uh, maybe a week or so, you know, just the weight and the heaviness of trying to deal with that, I kind of stopped thinking about anything else other than just my family and yeah, and uh, those around me. It, it it takes about a week of just shock before you can kind of get your thoughts together. Yeah, and then I had to had to have a surgery. Um, within about a week of the diagnosis and they had to remove all my lymph nodes from my right side, which was a, uh, which is a pretty tough surgery. Um, it was like an eight or nine hour surgery. And then I had to do, I had to go right out of that into radiation. Jeez. Um, and to do the radiation, I had to be able to, first of all, they weren't, they weren't sure that I'd be able to use my right arm. And if I did, then I might have lymphedemia and it'd be swollen. Yeah. But one of the things were that if I could get my, if I could get post-surgery, if I could get my arm above my head before going into radiation and stretch those muscles, then I had a better chance of, of being able to use my arm to play guitar. So yeah. I just... I just worked really hard at stretching and being able to do that. But once I started radiation, um, I also, you know, I didn't know. They told me I had probably six months to live. So as soon as, as soon as I got on my feet, I wanted to do everything I could to get in and make music, to leave a legacy behind me that, you know, that my kids at least, or, you know, I wanted to make sure I left. So I, I've always felt like that was my purpose in life to be here was to make music. And yeah. I didn't want to check it out without having it, you know, being able to put as many statements down as I could. So we got in the studio pretty quick. We were in the studio while I was doing radiation and chemo. And there was times I would be in the studio with the temperature and my legs and arms covered with hives from uh, uh, the chemo. I, man, it was, it was tough. No, yeah, <laughs> say the least, man. Say the least. Now, I heard a lot of those songs were the ones that were off the the Mountain album. Was that was yes. that mainly all of the Mountain album when you were uh, doing the treatments? Yes. Yeah. Other than uh, Sleeping with Lions, we recorded in Los Angeles man. after I had gotten through all the treatments, and that was our that was our first trip to Los Angeles when we 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 did that record or did that recording with Mark Needham out there. But the rest of the stuff we had recorded in Evansville mm-hmm. uh, during that time. Man, man. Now, once you started writing again, did did you notice? Uh, I mean, I I would imagine so. And and looking at the lyrics of Mountain, you see a little bit of it. But did you notice a a, a change in the writing? Yeah, I think so. Twofold. I probably uh, wrote a little bit differently as far as topics and just things. Just the I just had a I had a complete shift on the way I felt about the world and a lot of things in general. But the other thing that I did was different kind of focus on the words, the lyrics and language, because um, to me, I think I just started thinking every word really mattered. And and before, sometimes I'd write something out of emotion and I really wouldn't think about the poetry of it as yeah. much. I just was putting down an emotion. But I started thinking, you know, well, if this is the last song I ever record, then why would I not try to make it as good as I can lyrically and as poignant as I can? And so 
Yeah, it definitely changed my songwriting for the better. For sure, for sure. Well, you, like you said, you you got treated uh, pretty quickly, and it was by a, a fantastic doctor there at Fa- uh, Vanderbilt. And I heard you say that basically y- you got in there because a fan uh, of the band messaged you on Facebook, and that was sort. Of, she she worked with the doctor and got you in for the uh, the appointments. Have Have you ever thought about like making that fan a personalized cold stare shirt that says? I saved the singer's life or something like that. I mean, uh, do you still keep up with her? I haven't spoken with her in a while, but uh, I do kind of keep up with her. I'm sure she keeps up with the band still. She, uh, she was an angel and uh, she, you know, she was part of the plan that, that saved my life. She was a sweetheart before she followed the band. Yeah. Was coming out to seeing us play and is a good fan of rock and roll. And she's also friends with, um, with some other big bands yeah. and knew some other people that had gone through a similar experience. So Man. it was, it was a, it definitely was a blessing for sure. For sure. Well, uh, now, you know, uh, you, you're sort of in the same, um, you're in the same vein as a lot of, a lot of artists, uh, because you've, you're, you're used to touring. You're used to making a good amount of, uh, concert appearances and you can't during this pandemic. And I heard you say in a in an earlier interview, basically you couldn't get motivated at the start of the pandemic to to write to to make music. Was that you know uh, a motivations uh, or a lack of motivation like you had for the diagnosis of cancer, or was it more like a lack of motivation like you have like on a snow day when you still have schoolwork to do and you just don't feel like doing it which like where did that fall as far as and why do you think that lack of motivation was there um probably neither one of those things to be honest i have probably uh, and maybe all artists deal with um maybe have a little bit of depression or a little bit of maybe over uh we're over emotional mm-hmm. artists are, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we thrive on the good and the negative. We thrive on all that stuff that we put in the blender to use to create art. Yeah. Um, but I have never, I'm uh, in the past. I've never thought, Hey, I'm, I, I'm going through a depression or something like that. But you know what? This, this, uh, first three months of this year, mm-hmm. I'm looking back at it. I probably was suffering a little bit of, um, uh, going through a little bit of depression when we went into december of uh 2019 before this stuff happened we were scheduled to play louder than life in louisville mm-hmm. rock usa uh aftershock in sacramento california with metallica we had these tours scheduled it was going to be the biggest year for us and we had quite a bit of breakthrough stuff happening yeah. and when all that got jerked out from underneath us um it wasn't that i didn't want to write i just couldn't i just i just kind of i didn't know what to do you know yeah and I, I just kind of felt like i've worked this hard and we've gotten this far and i just kind of felt helpless um for a bit but was there you know was there anything in particular that 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 motivated you that got you going or was it just time that you needed to sort of get through it i think i just thought um and I've always kind of thought this, but especially after cancer, when you look at the situation, um, you know, I don't know if everything that happens is destined to happen or if it's not, but I do believe that every situation, if you want 
to have success and you want to succeed, every time a situation changes, you have to be fluid and go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, there's, if we had toured, then maybe I wouldn't have written the black sunset record. If, if mm-hmm. we, or EP, you know, if we had done this or that, and, and we're doing some live streams, yeah. um, I'm doing a thing with Joe Bonamassa next month in September. Those things, I, I ju- you just have to recalculate what you're going to capitalize on. Yeah. And it just took me to a point where I was like, okay, I'm always complaining that I never have time to sit down and work in the studio downstairs yeah. because I'm busy either touring or doing this. And now I have all this time and I'm just, I got to make myself get creative and get this done. So when it finally switched, you know, I, I wrote four songs in a day. I recorded, wrote and recorded Black Sunset in, in maybe 18 hours. Wow. So... And then I started writing the rest of the stuff. And then I started thinking, well, it'd be cool to do a cover song. And yeah. You just, but you have to find every day that I wake up, I have something in my mind that I'm wanting to accomplish and a goal that I'm wanting to accomplish. And if you ever get to where you, you're not doing that, yeah, then you have to find something new you're wanting to accomplish to help somebody else. You, you just have to have some kind of motivation in life. It's not so easy to think sink down and get depressed and, and not kind of understand why you're here. Yeah. And I do think we're all here for a reason. So for sure. Well, let, let's, let's talk about that newest EP, uh, that you recorded, uh, or you wrote in 18 hours and it's, it's a little bit, it's, it's, it's a departure in a couple of ways for you guys. Like you said, you recorded that in your, in your home studio, uh, and, and, and Brian and his, and there's some fantastic songs on that EP, hard songs. Can you tell us a little bit about the inspirations as far as what you had on that songwriting, and then uh, then how how did it feel making an album in this new way? Um, well, I did. We did a couple things. Whenever I start, I did a couple things. Whenever I started writing, first of all, I was like, okay, I, I'm gonna do something fun, and we've never kind of done a tip of the hat just. 70s rock mm-hmm. you know I've, I've avoided that because i didn't want to get tied into uh looking like we were trying to be a 70s rock band yeah but so i wanted to do it in our style but i wanted to have fun with it so mm-hmm. i was like okay no acoustic songs these are gonna all be rockers and yeah. um, you know i'm gonna keep it fairly fairly simple and we're gonna do it all in the home studio and just see how it goes and then you know the other thing is is once i stopped kind of moping around there's plenty of inspiration i mean the the wicked and the cursed is about the politicians and all the hypocrisy and just the kind of uh just kind of yeah the 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 inability at this point in the world's history to you can't trust anybody or anything Mm -hmm. every everything seems to have a motive behind it uh, in so that's kind of the tip of the hat to that my city is about some of these cities like New York and LA and Portland and places that people have a love for their cities, but we're, we're watching them get destroyed. And, you know, is that the proper way to, to affect change? Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't waste time on goodbye is uh, basically uh, putting, getting, getting rid of somebody or something uh, similar to those other songs, Mm -hmm. just getting away from that and moving yourself out of that negativity um, and then I have to think, uh, uh, don't wait, uh, third oh, world war, third world war. Yeah. yeah. Which is, which is about kind of the same thing. Yeah. Too, uh, you know, the, the, the section, 
that that whole song's kind of about the same thing. So I I took a brief moment. You know, usually I don't go, and I didn't I don't I, I didn't go political as far as left and right. I don't really care uh, about being sectioned into um, to parties and everything else. I, yeah. I see a whole lot of hypocrisy, and, and so I just uh, those four songs are kind of tackle that. Now that I've got that out of my system, the the next records are not about those topics, but I, it, and I go back and listen to that. I think if you go back and listen to it 10 years and you look at the video footage of this time period, I think it's a fairly uh, sufficient soundtrack for what we're, we're all going through right now. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, it came out great. I mean, you know, the, uh, the mixing and the production and, and just the songs in general, a uh, fantastic job on them. Thank you, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, and uh, so let's let, let's talk about that that new album that you you guys have uh, you 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 finished at Dark Horse Heavy Shoes. You started recording at Sam Phillips Studio. Tell us, give us a little condensed version, basically of of how you went from Sam Phillips had to stop, pick it back up at uh, at Dark Horse. And then, you know, when 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 can we expect uh, all of this great music? Well, when we first went in, I think the expectation that we had was we were going to make a live sounding rock record that mm-hmm. really was uh, in the moment, you know. So mm-hmm. we we went into Sam, we set up and we we cut all the songs in a day. And then the next day, so we did 10 songs in one day and the next day we kind of tweaked wow. some things, but we it was basically like a live type record. Yeah. Um, and I wanted that immediacy feel of kind of like the, the Zeppelin records or something. I wanted it to feel like you're in the room with us. Yeah. So when we left, we were scheduled to come back in two weeks and then all this stuff happened and then Sam got shut down. And, uh, so then the, the record kind of changed because the vocals and the guitar overdubs and some of those other things that we would have done back at Sam in that same room with the same amps and the same vibe. Yeah. Now we're going to be recorded, you know, somewhere else. And I did some of the work here at, at my home studio, but it changed the feel of the record a little bit. Yeah. Um, which I think it turned out to be a good thing. But when we listened to it, uh, after we got some of the parts done, we just felt like it was, first of all, we we thought it should be released as a record and not singles or EP because it kind of, because it was all recorded in one day, it felt like it should be a record. Mm-hmm. It felt together. And then um, we just thought it was really good. So I, instead of just kind of finishing it ourselves or finishing it with um, uh, with those guys, which those guys are great down there too, mm-hmm. Um but we had worked with Mark Needham before, who's who signed Imagine Dragons. And, yeah, uh, you know, it's Pink Fleetwood Mac. He's worked with everybody, and we we turned the record over to Mark and went to Dark Horse to finish it down there with him. Just you know, so it's it's a little bit. It didn't. It's not finishing out the way that we intentionally started it. But yeah. I think it it's uh, it has grown more complex as far as. Um, as the sound of it and just kind of the way the record feels in a good way. Yeah. Good way. So for sure. That Dark Horse Studios looks so cool, man. The the pictures from that place, just how it, inside all the wood and all the, the windows, it just looks so inspiring to make music. Is it? 
Yeah, it felt. Um, we've had the good fortune of recording in some of the best studios in the world, and that that's certainly one of them. It fit the vibe very well of Heavy Shoes, which is a very organic, rustic sounding rock record to mm-hmm. me. Um, and so when we were down there, it, it you know we you were in there mixing. You look out the window, and there's deers walking around. And it felt it felt it felt natural. It felt good. So yeah, that's beautiful. Nice, man. Nice. Now, now, have you decided, have you guys decided when it's going to come out, when Heavy Shoes is going to come out, or do you not have a date set yet? Our original uh, plan on that record was to release it ourselves, but we have, through Mark, um, Mark's played it for some people, and we have a couple record labels that are Mm. making an offer on it. So we're going to decide probably in the next couple weeks, if we go with the label, I have a feeling the label will want to push it out until the beginning of next year because they yeah. want you to be tour- touring when the record comes out. Right. Um, and if that's the case, then in between now and the time that record comes out, you'll, you'll see the acoustic album for us and you'll see some singles and EPs because we, I, I promised our fans early on this year, we would be giving them, you know, we can't tour. We want to make sure we're in front of them giving them new music so for sure but if it doesn't if we don't decide to go with the label and we decide to put it out ourselves i am probably looking at november okay for a release nice nice well uh, uh last question any any new mopar parts going on the uh, challenger in the next few weeks <laughs> no man it's 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 done it's nice completed so now, now, now just enjoying keeping it clean yeah nice clean. Man. nice well Chris, you've done a fantastic job on the newest EP. It is fantastic, and I can't wait to hear Heavy Shoes. I think it's going to be awesome as well. I wish we had more time to talk, man. I got a ton of questions that I couldn't get to, but uh, we're against a break. So I wanted to thank you for coming on the show, man. Absolutely, Ben. Maybe we'll follow up someday. I appreciate you having me. For sure. Listeners, you can keep up with them at their website, thecoldstairs.com. You can follow them on Instagram at thecoldstairs. You can get all of their music on streaming services, Apple and Spotify. Right now, let's take a listen to The Wicked and the Cursed off of Black Sunset right here on The Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. You just heard a little cold stairs. Before that, heard a little bit of an interview there with me and uh, Chris. Thank you to Chris for coming on the show. Couldn't be happier that he came on. Shout out. But also uh, would like to go up to Indiana and enjoy a ride in that uh, Dodge Challenger, even though he did not invite me. To do that, he's just um, gonna show up. <laughs> just, uh, hey, remember me? I was the one that gave you the bad interview. You want to ride around on this or no? Okay, whatever. You want to show me your charger? No. Can I just oh, appreciate it from the street? All right, all right, I'll do that. All right, don't worry. Just gonna appreciate from back here. Don't worry about that. Anyways, thanks to Chris, we appreciate it. You yes, need sir. to check it out. The cold stone, uh, the cold stairs. I almost said cold stone. See, still off the game. You're, Don't know. You're hungry. Uh, the cold stone. Well, if that's the case, Loopy and Leo's. We know. We know. Right. Short oh, trip so up good. to Pennsylvania. Get it done. Anyways. Cold Stairs, you need to check out their EP. It's out now, Black Sunset. It is fantastic. You heard two songs off there. We got two more on the EP, and their new album, Heavy Shoes, will be coming out soon. As he said, most likely we're looking November. Most likely November. All right. Anyways, Dave, you know what time it is. Shoe and tell, baby. Shoe and tell is correct. Number 13. Mm. 13. Man, we have been blazing through them, Dave. Crazy. Blazing through. Seems like we just started. I know. I know. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Now, this one, this was a special one for me, too. This one. Okay. Pretty excited about what do I got? special. I've got the Jordan 10s. Oh, love the 10s. Jordan the 10s. 10s, charcoal edition, my friend. Okay. okay. The black kind of like on the blacks. Yeah. yeah. With the red accents, the checkerboard yes. inside. Mm. All suede. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Now, this is another Tink classic here. Yes. Tinker Hatfield designed these. Um,. This was the second model that came out while Jordan was playing baseball. When these came out to start mm-hmm. off with, he was still on the diamond. Uh, now, interestingly, this was the first shoe that didn't get Jordan's full approval. He Man, didn't. And see, I he, love this shoe. He, he didn't like the first design. Oh, that he didn't came like out. the toe box in the front. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So they actually came out with the first original colorway with that toe box. And then he was like, get rid of that. And they did. And so from then on, it didn't have the toe box on the front, which I Much agree. Cleaner. I Much don't really cleaner. need the toe box. Yeah. Toe box doesn't need to be there. Nope. Um, anyways, Jordan ended wearing these in the 94-95 season, right? When he, when he came back, I'm back. Uh, probably the most, uh, the most notable game of these would be the uh, double nickel game against the Knicks. Mm-hmm. 55 points right after he came back. Now, I will always remember these shoes. One, these are the second pair of Jordans that I actually owned. I did own these in 95. These, and this same colorway. This same colorway as well. Oh, really? Yeah, these are the ones that I had. I had the white with the red and uh, silver accents. Yeah. Those are nice. Those are nice. I uh, I bought outrageous. Radford University 
uh, basketball camp in these oh, in these mofos. Yeah. It was they nice, man. Was, they knew who was there. I remember business. rocking. I remember rocking these shoes, rocking out to Warren G. Regulators. Sweet. Oh gosh, the nineties. Ah, yes. oh, so good. Um, but I will always remember these shoes for Scotty Pippen telling Jordan to come back on TV by pointing at the bottom of these shoes. I remember. Oh, yeah. I remember clearly watching that game, and I remember when I saw Scottie Pippen do that. I looked at my mom and I said, "MJ's coming back." That's right. Michael's mm-hmm. coming back. I was so confident. Sure enough, eight days later, Jordan's back. Man, Jordan's the bottom back. of the shoes are sick. They are. They are. It's one of my favorite points of the shoe. They've got all of his uh, his accomplishments up to that point. Uh, rookie of the year, 63-point game in 86, scoring title 87, dunk champ in 88. Then they've got all defense 89, scores 90, uh, 69 points in 90, uh, MVP and championship 91, MVP and championship 92, MVP and championship 93, and then beyond Jeez. in 94. But we all know he came back. We know the story. Oh, yeah. Anyway, anyways, one of my favorites right there. Uh, these uh, the the particulars that I have in my collection. This is from the countdown pack again. This is from oh, two thousand. Yeah. This is from two thousand eight, right there. So they got the uh, the red twenty three on the side. Got I love the that red little... twenty three on the side. You are correct, Dave. Yeah. I yes. like that little that little accent compared to the ones that came out in like. 2015, 2016, whenever those came out. Yeah, yeah, and he, uh, when he originally came back with them, he had 45 on him. That's a fact. And 45 yep, yep. on his. Which then they came out with those too. So they true. They did. They did reissue the 45s as well because they reissued the 45 11s as well. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Anyways, okay. <clears throat> Are you ready for the last birthday suit? Ah, yes. Let's do it. Pretty confident in this one. Word. Pretty confident that you'll remember this guy's name. So I went with 95%. Uh, oh, that's pretty good. But if you can't remember his name, then we're screwed. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure you can. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Um, born on August 26, 1980 in New York, New York. Our birthday suit wearer started acting at a very, very young age with small roles in uh, theater productions. He made his first TV debut in a TV movie, The Midnight Hour. He then starred in the romantic comedy uh, in 1989, See You in the Morning. Hmm. And then he starred in 1989's comedy, Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. Sweet. He became a huge star the next year when he was picked to play Kevin McAllister in the Home Alone movie in 1990. Uh. I don't freaking know his name. Nah, see, that's I was worried. I was worried. The next year, he hosted Saturday Night Live, starred in the movie My Girl, was in the music video for Michael Jackson's Black or White. Then in 1992, he came back in the sequel of Home Alone. And then in 1994, he was in Richie Rich. In 1994, he took a break from acting and mm-hmm. went to private school in Manhattan. He returned hmm. uh, to acting after uh, after college, but he never reached the level he was during the Home Alone That's why I don't know years. his name. <laughs> yes. I'll give you his initials. M.C. It's a unique M name. Yeah, I, I know it's something weird, but I can't think of what it is. 
Dang. See, I was worried. I, I mean, obviously, the 95% came from Home Alone. I was like, you know yeah. Home Alone. No, but I know. Who, I got his face and everything. I just, I don't Macaulay know. Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. Yep, that's what it is. Turning 40. What? Yeah. What? 40 for the kid in Home Alone. Oh man! Forty, golly! It's it's so weird when you got somebody that old, but like their most famous thing is when they were a kid. It's just right. like <laughs> they just stay forever young in that movie, and then you're like, oh, that guy's old now. Word. Oh, jeez! And something else weird about Macaulay Culkin, uh, Culkin that I didn't know—he went out with Mila Kunis. For eight years. Wait, what? Really? Yeah, from 2002 to 2010. What a waste of talent on her part. Goodness gracious. I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe Macaulay's really enjoyable to hang out with. Who knows? Mm, He's got something. He looks weird. He's got got something going. He kept her around for eight years. I mean, that's still... until she got super famous and then she went on her own. That's still longer than she's been with the old uh, Ashton. Uh, punked. Yeah, Ashton Kutcher. Pe- people that are under the age of like 25 are like, punked? What the is that? What is he talking about? It's a show that used to be on MTV, gang. All right? Jeez. Hmm. When did it end? Do you remember when punked in? I think it was like no. two, 2008 or something like that, probably. Yeah, it was, something. I was pretty young then. It was a long time ago. A lot of the a lot of a lot of the the ones they had on there just they were dumb. They were dumb. 2007, I was close, man. Ended in 2007. It's close. It's oh, close. look at you. I was in your Anyways. Prime. Anyways, happy birthday to Macaulay turning the big 4-0. Enjoy Macaulay. Enjoy. There you go. Okay, Dave, it's time to tell you about the great shows we have coming up and I'm very excited. First off, the bad news. Okay? The bad news is no more Sunday fun day shows for now. Okay? No. We're moving back to the Wednesday Wednesday original, hump day originals, and we're sticking with that. Back, back to the school schedule. That's right. We gotta we gotta move back to our regular scheduling program so you can't you can't enjoy two Doc G's a week. I'm sorry. Blam. I'm sorry, guys. But you'll have to share him. What I will promise you is that the Wednesday shows will be phenomenal. That's right. That's Still what I'll promise you. Super hot fire. That's right. They will be phenomenal. And Papa J-Bones will be joining me and Dave occasionally here on the Wednesday shows. So Ooh. get excited about that. Once again, just like back in the days of old, of old Justin Evangelista, you will have two people guessing birthday suits. That's right. That is right. Double the guessing. That is right, man. Well, and like I said, we are bringing the fire because our first guests are the Teskey brothers out of Australia. These guys, these guys, first of all, they're a throwback, Dave. They do they do music that sounds straight out of 68, soul music yeah. straight out of 68. I mean, I was listening to their album the other day. You can close your eyes and swear you're listening to Otis Redding. Dang. And and instead, it's a 28-year-old dude from Australia. 
I just guessed. On, oh wow! I just guessed on twenty-eight. I think he's actually like but thirty-three, still. thirty-two, but something still. like that. Anyways, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. They are so talented, yes! so good. This is the thing that blows me away. We're going to talk about this. They do all of their recording analog on tape. So true. Like it's nineteen sixty-eight. Straight tape, two-inch tape. That's impressive. For anybody that's not an audiophile out there, that is insanely annoying to do. You have such an easy program with Pro Tools or with GarageBand or anything else where you can click, tap, click, tap, erase, put this here, there, in instant. And they're doing it on tape where you got to splice and cut a single piece of tape and put it with another one if you're going to edit something. You got to put this here and just... It's insane. You got to meld tapes together and record. Ah, insane. Wham. Insane amount of work. And they do it for the love of the analog sound. It is insane, man. I can't wait. I can't wait to talk to these guys. We're going to talk to Brendan Love, their bassist. It's going to be a good time. All the way out in Melbourne. Really, they're in Warrandyte, which is a suburb of Melbourne. But all the way across the country. We're going to be calling them at 7. And, you know, it's going to be 9 o'clock in the morning there. Insane. Wow. The next, The next day. Right. They're the, in the future. Say what? It's going to be Thursday morning, and we're going to be Wednesday night over here like a bunch of losers. Girl, come on. Anyways. Anyways, I'm very excited about having them on the show. That's going to be the first back to the regular schedule of programming here on the Doc G Show. We have many more to come. Uh, Dave, I'm very excited about one guest, but I think I may have blew it. Girl, come on. I'm not going to oh, tell no. you who it is because we know you how bad it. luck that is. But here's the thing, right? I got hammered with a whole bunch of interview requests at once, which is yeah. great because I love yeah. interviews, right? But right. I didn't have time to prepare. And right at the end of that interview section, I got mm-hmm. a uh, email from a manager of a, a very big artist, mm-hmm. Mul- multiple million listens on Spotify. Dang. It was like, hey, can you do it tomorrow? Hmm. And I was like, oh, man. And I didn't have time. Like, I don't have time to prepare. And I felt like I would have done a really, really crappy job on the interview. So I was like, yeah. I was like, hey, listen, is there any other way we can do it at a later date? Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, we can't do it uh, the next day because he's going to be in the studio. And we can't do mm-hmm. it next week or the week after that because he's going to be on holiday. But. Uh, we can do it when it gets back. And I was like, all right, definitely. Do you want to set a date? And the manager didn't want to set a date. She didn't actually uh, say it. So I think we may have lost girl, it. Come on. We may have lost it. Well, you'll just annoy them in a couple of weeks and we'll get them Oh, on. yeah, no doubt. Uh, don't worry. I Don't worry, <laughs> listeners. I will send their manager like... no problem not being, being annoying. I will be annoying. I will send her like 15 emails in one day until she turns me down directly. And then I will be like, you know what? I don't like you or your artist that you're managing. Unless you're polite like Tom Brady's assistant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you turn me down politely and wish me all the best, okay. No, we're, then we're square. Me and Tom, we're square. <laughs> what? I'm going up. I'm going up to Tampa, hanging out this weekend. Not really. He doesn't know who I am, but it's fine. Oh, you'll just you'll just sneak into his house. That's so true. Yeah, exactly. 
It is criminal activity. There's a theme for some reason of criminal activity. Anyways, anyways, we are past the time, man. We gotta we gotta wrap it up for today. I have been your host, Doc G. With me as always, Dave Burles Berlin. See you next Wednesday, everybody. Peace. Woo! And zip it up and zip it out. Zippity doo dah.